Hi friends, in the last two episodes, we saw what happened to Sirajuddola. In today's episode, we will see how events unfolded after Palasi. After the treacherous defeat of Sirajuddola, it was Mirzafar's turn, right? Yes. According to the prior commitment of Robert Clive, though Mirzafar had ascended to the throne, the command went completely in the hands of the company. Yes. That was bound to happen. Probably, those who took Clive's side in the Battle of Palasi were left short-sighted. In fact, they did not expect the British would rise to dominance even administratively. Probably, we will never be able to know the truth behind the intention of those who made their move, took arms against the British during this period. Raja Rai Ballab, Raja Nandakumar were amongst the prime conspirators but they soon understood that increasing dependency of Mirzafar on British would never suffice their aspirations. And that is why. That is why they tried to form an alliance with the rebellion zamindars of Bengal, kings and nabobs of different states and subas. They also tried to form an alliance with the European parties like the Dutch and French who were still struggling to establish their existence in the subcontinent. You know, it may sound rather surprising that treason and conspiracy against the British was cited as the one of the major reasons for dethroning Mirjafar. He lost his throne to his son-in-law, Mirkashim, another conspirator of Palashi. It may sound further surprising that Mirkashim was the last and the only Nabab of Bengal who took arms against the British company. Really? Yes. Mirkashim tried to build the first consortium of India with the Mughal Emperor Shah Alam II and Nabab of Ayad Sujauddullah and fought against the British in the Battle of Baksar. Welcome to the Revolution, Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle. I am Shushmita Mazumdar, your host. And I am Kaushik Mazumdar, your co-host. Today we will take you to a journey of pride, betrayal and struggle of independency through the years from Palasi to Baksar and a few years afterwards. To begin with, the British East India Company had no aspirations to take administrative responsibilities. They were focused on trading. Their interest in the administration was only to the extent which would lend them the maximum profit. The company wanted to make the most of their alliance with the Nawab of Bengal and the foreman of Farooq Shire. The right enjoyed by the company to trade without paying any tax was already causing a challenge for the local traders of Bengal. Since Mirzafar's ascent to the throne, not only Robert Clive earned a huge sum, but the company employees started abusing the foreman. From day one, regimentally, Mirzafar was heavily dependent upon Clive and his army. In return, not only he had to accept the deeds of British traders blindly, but he also had to take the liability of the British army. With every passing day, it was getting from tough to impossible for Mirzafar to meet the demands of the British. The treasury of Murshidabad 
did not have enough positions to satisfy the demands of Clive and his fellow countrymen. Mirza Far paid out in relation to the rupees one million seven hundred and fifty thousand in presents and compensation to the British. Can you imagine rupees one million seven fifty thousand in those days? And that was not enough to satisfy the British. Mirza Far eventually had to hand over not twenty-four parganas to them. Mirza Far became nabab by betraying Sirajuddaullah. But the nababhood alone was not enough to earn Mirza Far obedience of the zamindars of Bengal. Some of the zamindars, like Raja Ram Singh of Midnapur, Hazar Ali Khan of Purnia, Asad Ul Jahan of Birbhum, and zamindars of Bardwan, Dhaka. etc refused to accept mirzafar as their ruler though thanks to robert clive's anticipation and persuasion the resistance of raja ram sinha and zamindar of the dhaka was dealt rather effortlessly by mirzafar however the resistance posed by the zamindars got further fierce with the support of kings and nawabs of neighboring subas we will learn about the battle of those zamindars who fought with grit against the british but before reaching there we will take a tour of the rest of north india why because though then the focus of the british was only bengal but bengal was not the focus only of the british before mirzafar it was a rather short reign of siraj in bengal during the most period of his reign siraj was busy fighting wars The economy of Bengal was already suffering. Siraj stopped paying revenues to the Delhi Sultan, and Mirzafar was already struggling to meet the demands of the British. Paying revenue was out of scope. Following the death of Sultan Ahmed Shah, the Mughal Empire, that was already at the brink of fall, was losing its relevance very fast. Their territory got limited in and around Delhi. After the death of Siraj when Mirzafar was assigned as the Nawab of Bengal the then Mughal empire Alamgir II appointed Prince Shahjada as subadar of Bengal Bihar and Orissa In the year 1759 Shahjada made his move with the intention of forcing his rightful claim on Bengal Shahjada who was about to ascend the throne of Delhi as Shah Alam II in a few years he was joined by the forces of mohammad kuli khan of allahabad nawab of ayud sujauddaullah and two of the most powerful zamindars of bengal raja sundar singh and balawant singh together they botched a plan to attack bihar french general law also joined their cause Mirzafar's army was struggling due to the lack of proper lead and maintenance. In this circumstance, afraid of treachery, Mirzafar completely lost faith in his own army. As soon as he had the knowledge of Shahzada's movement, Mirzafar requested the support of Robert Clive. A firm resistance was posed by the governor of Bihar, Ram Narayan, against the first wave of attack by the army led by Shahzada. Till the arrival of the British army under Robert Clive's lead, Ram Narayan efficiently managed to hold the fort of Patna against the attack by the United Army. 
When the United Army was battling the British Army in Bihar, Nawab of Ayut, Sujaudullah, attacked and conquered Allahabad fort. As soon as Sahzada had the knowledge of Suja attacking Allahabad, he chose to leave the battle and retreat. Muhammad Kuli Khan immediately left the battle in Bihar to recapture Allahabad. General Law suggested him against this move, but he chose to stick to his plan. Muhammad Kuli Khan eventually got beaten and killed by Sujaudullah. At that time, the Mughal Empire was completely subjugated by the Wazir. Following the first advancement against the Bengal, Wazir forced the Emperor to replace Shahzada with his younger brother as Subedar of Bengal, and Mirzafar was appointed as his lieutenant. In response to Mirzafar's request, on the same occasion, Robert Clive was made the Umrah of the Empire. The same year, Ahmad Shah Abdali attacked India for the fifth time. In the wake of Abdali's attack, Mughal Empire Alamgir got killed in the hand of his own wazir. Immediately at the knowledge of Alamgir's death, Shahzada declared himself as the Mughal Emperor under the name of Shah Alam II. Thereafter, two more expeditions were organized by Shah Alam against Bengal. In the year 1761, during Mir Qasim's reign in Bengal, Shah Alam's third expedition was mainly supported by the French army. Soon they were beaten, and the French general Law was taken under custody by British General Colonel Carnac. After the defeat, Shah Alam too signed a peace treaty with Colonel Carnac. and he was approached by mirkasim shalam agreed to mirkasim's proposition and declared him as subedar of bangla bihar and orissa in return of 2,400,000 rupees as annual revenue but the question is why mirkasim was already appointed as the nawab of bengal replacing mirzafar in 1760 by the british we will come to that but before that we would try to understand in which circumstances mirzafar had to be replaced with mirkasim by british company we have already stated that mirzafar was thoroughly dependent on the british to run his military and administration then why he had to be replaced he was dethroned in the charges of conspiracy against the company yeah though it may sound surprising that's what the british historians and contemporary writers such as vanistert versalt holwell scrafton etc believed though the allegation of conspiracy could not be proven against mirzafar it is believed and proved that miran raja raiballav and nandkumar conspired against the company isn't it amusing that all three of them were amongst the prime conspirators against siraj and joined hands with clive later They tried to form an alliance with powerful zamindars of Bengal, nawabs, and subedar of neighboring subas and states. Also, they tried to involve Dutch and French armies to extend their effort against British. While Mirzafar was removed from the throne under the suspicion of treachery, it was him who informed the British against Raja Rai Bandar. Nandakumar was the governor of Hooghly during Siraj's reign. and he was responsible for providing support to the french of chandnagor against the british but he was bribed heavily by the company and betrayed 
if it was not for his betrayal, the Battle of Palasi would probably never happen. Mir Kashim, who would later take up arms against the British, was the one who complained against Nandakumar. Such permanence of treachery throughout the struggle compels us to doubt their intention. Though the question remains whether they were motivated by their individual ambition or the independence of Bengal, India for that matter, and probably would remain forever. But one thing is confirmed. Their efforts could never find common ground or form a consortium strong enough to fight the British. It was not only against Raja Nandakumar. Mirkhasim also cautioned the British against the conspiracy of Zamindars of Birgum and Bardwan and their possible intrigue with the Marathas and Delhi Sultan. Clive was anxious to form an alliance with one of the most powerful Zamindars, Asadul Zaman, the Raja of Birvom. But things did not go as per his ambitions, and the Raja took up arms against the British and extended invitation for Shah Alam to join the expedition. Shah Alam's force advanced into Birgum. They were faced by the combined force of Bengal Nawab, led by Mehran, and British army under Major Kaliud. Shah Alam retreated. By the end of the year after the emperor left Mirkashim and the British troops expedited against the Jamindars of Birbhum and Bardwan, the army of 10,000 men of Bardwan was supported by the Fakirs and Sannyasis. This was the first entrance of the Fakirs and Sannyasis in the struggle of independence against the British. We will come back on that later. The British had special interest against Asad al-Zaman because he had given shelter to the French and Dutch troops and employed 300 Telenga Shipahi deserters from the British army. Ultimately, the Zamindars were easily beaten by the British and Mirkashim's unified army. Added to the failure of meeting the increasing demand of the British company personnel, the increasing dependency of Mirzafar made him a liability for the British company. Frequent resistance posed by the courtesans and the zamindars and Mirzafar's subsequent failure got the British further frustrated. As we mentioned, Mirkasim kept on providing pieces of information about the rebellions to the British company. Mirkasim also promised to pay a huge alimony to the British. In such circumstances, Mirzafar was dethroned in favor of Mirkashim. The alliance between the British and Mirkashim were going as expected to start with. To please the British, Mirkasim presented them with the right to rule Chattagram, Bardwan, and Midnapur. Though the alliance was going strong, but unlike Mirzafar, Mirkasim was not ready to be a puppet of the British company. Mirkashim did not want to get involved in direct battle with the company immediately. But he knew eventually the day would come and he started preparations accordingly. Alike Siraj, even Mirkasim strongly opposed the abuse of Farman by British East India Company personnel. If duty-free trading was not enough, increasing control of the British over internal affairs during Mirzafar's reign got the situation further worse for the local traders. The losses were extending to an unbearable extent. Mir Qasim wrote multiple letters to the governor of Calcutta Council, 
but his pleas were falling into deaf ears only. He had to do something immediately. To reinstate the balance, Mirkashim relieved even the local traders from taxes. The British East India Company could not digest this decision made by Mirkashim. In the anticipation of the retaliation by the British, Mirkashim shifted his capital from Mushidabad to Munger in Bihar, a region absent from the English sphere of power. His objective was to set up a thoroughly centralized power structure. And that is probably the reason for claiming the Subhas of Bengal, Bihar and Orissa from the Shah Alam, even after ruling the region for almost a year as chosen by the British East India Company. Due to the proximity with the British, he removed Ram Narayan, the governor of Bihar, from his administrative rights. Soon enough, Mirzafar realized to reinstate the sovereignty of Bengal and claim the rights of being Nawab, he had to establish military independence. Immediately after moving capital to Munger, he built workshops to build guns, cannons and artilleries. He also employed three European soldiers, Samru, Zentil and Marker, to train his army to the modern techniques of war. He was preparing his army to defend, to fight, to beat the British army. Under the instruction of Calcutta Council, Captain Ellis advanced with British army towards Patna and acquired rather easily in 1763. Mirkashim fought back and recaptured Patna. But that was rather a small respite. Mirkashim soon had to face the British army in three consecutive battles of Giriya, Katwa and Udainala. Bitten in all three battles, Mirkashim escaped to Ayodh. Company, without wasting any time, replaced Mirkashim and reinstated Mirzafar to the Nawabship of Bengal. Immediately after ascending to the Nawabship, Mirzafar reversed every arrangement, every farman of his predecessors. Mirkashim gathered support from Nawab of Ayodh, Sujauddullah and Mughal Empire Shah Alam too. This was the first such consortium against the British. The earlier ones were mainly against the Indian rulers who were supported by the British army. On 22nd October 1764, the united front of Mirkashim, Sujauddullah and Shah Alam II's army confronted against the British army led by Captain Monroe. The united front was beaten by the British army. Mirkashim fled from the battlefield to Kashmir Suajuddaullah took shelter in Rohilakhand and Mughal Emperor Shah Alam II took refuge of the British company. Though the Battle of Baksar originated from the conflict between Nawab of Bengal and British company, the same ended with a win for the British over the most relevant united army in India at that time. In the process, the British army proved their military supremacy in India. The encroachment of the British into Indian administration that started with the Battle of Palasi started realizing its destination with the decisive win. With this win, the British company got the opportunity to extend their dominance on the whole of northern India. Instead of expediting their immediate prominence, the British company took the opportunity to institute themselves 
as the most relevant influencer in Indian politics. Awadh was returned to Sujadu-Dola, removing Kara and Allahabad. Shah Alam realigned himself with the British, got restored as the Sultan of Delhi with the rights to Kara and Allahabad also. With the right to define the territorial extent of provinces under the rulers, the British company was at most of its relevance since they stepped into the subcontinent. In 1765, Lord Clive was brought back as the governor of Bengal after a few years back in England and he devised a way to establish the dominance of the British company in Indian polity through the Treaty of Allahabad. For all practical purposes, the Treaty of Allahabad on 12th August 1765 formalized the transfer of command to the British. Through this treaty, the English East India Company got formally appointed as the Diwan for the provinces of Bengal, Bihar and Orissa by the Mughal Emperor. In return for a guaranteed annual tribute of Rs 2.6 million to the Emperor, the company was entrusted with the financial administration of the three provinces and the Nawabs of Bengal retained the office of Nazim. The responsibility for administration would lay with the Nawab while the revenues and rights would remain with the company. Thus, with the formal grant of the Diwani, Greater Bengal came under complete British dominance. With the newly found rights, the British company got further aggressive. The money collected as Diwani would be invested back for the trading and investment in Bengal. The rest they would utilize to extend their influence on Indian politics administratively and geographically. In the efforts of gathering maximum out of Bengal, they turned the lives of the farmers and local traders into living hell, which would eventually cause the infamous famine of Bengal. This famine would wipe out one-third of the then Bengal population. During the battle against the British, the king of Bardwan was joined by a team of rebellion sannyasis and fakirs. This was the first participation of the sannyasi fakirs who would later lead the sannyasi fakir rebellion that would be joined by the farmers, traders and released an army of the emperor. Why that is important? Because while the battle of the Baksar would be registered in the history as the last one fought by the Nawabs of Bengal, it was the dawn of the first ever Indian peasant uprising against the British led by the Sanashis and Fokates. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page for episode notes, resources and more. Visit us at www.ksproductionsusa.com Subscribe to The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Production in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. 
Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions and Shauni Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maithi, content developed by Dipanjan Maithi, Brototi Chakraborty and Kaushik Mazumdar. Sound designed and original music composed by Satyajit Sen. Also used compositions by Kazi Nazrul Islam. In addition to Calcutta, the British East India Company had their intention to get and keep strongholds on Madras and Mumbai port. While in the northern part, Mughals on the fall, Marathas rose to be as one of the major strength with reckoning. The British company had to deal with Tipu Sultan and the Nizams of Hyderabad to expand their domination down south. Please stay tuned with our next episode on Tipu Sultan. Thank you.